It's five o'clock somewhere. I'm here with Tate Stewart, Senior Vice President of Operations, and you told me not to read your bio from the website. Why is that? My wife doesn't love it. Happy wife, happy life. So how would you... She's, she's no longer a nursing student. She's been an RN for two years, so maybe okay. that's the primary... I, that's, I need to update that website. Yeah. I'm going to update it. So what, what do you do here at Thrive Senior Living? Primarily, I support the teams in the communities. Okay. So, you know, the, and specifically the leadership teams. So we've got, you know, the community, the kind of backbone of the community is a leadership team of, you know, anywhere from seven to seven, eight, nine people. And my primary job is to spend time with those individuals, be sure they have the tools, resources, uh, everything they need. And you are uniquely qualified to do that because you yourself were a president at a community in Broward in Tennessee, correct? Right. Georgia, actually, but yes. Georgia, sorry. They're like, it's right on the border. It's right on the border. You go like two blocks down, you're in a different state. Right. So how long were you the president of Broward? Uh, I was there for almost two years. Two years. Okay. And that's a very vibrant community. That is a very sought out after community. Um, what was it like being president of of Broward. I mean, they're on a mountain. It's called Lookout Mountain, right? Yeah. What was that like? It was, it was an incredible experience. Um, whenever, you know, I came from a different career, different career path and got exposed to senior living and thought, this is really cool. This has a lot of purpose attached to it. There were some really great people at Thrive. And I was like, you know what, this, this sounds like a little adventure. And so let's, we're going to move to, uh, from Houston to, Chattanooga, Tennessee, work on Lookout Mountain in Georgia. And uh, it was incredible. You know, the people there were incredibly welcoming. There were some really talented, capable, talk about that leadership team, kind of being the backbone of the team. There were some really great people on that team that made that made us successful. It certainly wasn't anything I knew. Um, I knew maybe about people and leadership and business, but I knew very little about senior living. And so fortunately, there were some really capable people on that team they welcomed me with open arms. There were some great residents there. They welcomed me with open arms. And um, we, uh, you know, we had a lot of success at that community. We, uh, I think we took it from, you know, just under 70% occupancy to 100% occupancy and built a substantial wait list. And it stayed that way for a long time. Lost a little bit of census kind of over the last two years in COVID, but now it's kind of right there back at full capacity. So, And that leads me into building a community because we're coming out of isolation for a few years now. I mean, is it over? I don't know. I'm not a doctor, but it seems like people are yearning for a community. I live in a similar community like this that's for younger adults, right? right? I love it. I like yearn for that. So how does, I guess my first question is, how does Thrive build a community? And what makes that different than any other senior living option that someone could choose from out there? You know, I think uh, building community really is at the heart of what we do. Um, when you think about um, the older adults and, uh, today, um, even with technology, you know, one of the, if you, if you really spend time doing what we do, we meet a lot of, a lot of folks that are somewhat isolated. They're somewhat cut off, uh, in some form or another from really having full access to the services, uh, the relationships, um, the things that they need to, to thrive. Uh, and so, you know, you'll, the kind of common scenario is that older adult that they're capable, they can get around and drive, but maybe not when the weather's bad or maybe not when it's dark. Um, and, and they're seeing a gradual decline, right? Their family wants to support them, but they're busy too. Right. Um, yeah, they can use technology, but not, but not great. And it's always changing. Right. And so it's oh like, my goodness, even I have a hard time keeping up while, while, you know, 
a lot of times we think about like, oh, well, really you could have everything you need like in your home and you could like, we got technology and all these services and it's not always that realistic. I think it's realistic for, for some people, but for the majority, um, it's, it's not that smooth and they end up doing without, whether that's without quality meals or without as many doctor's visits as they need or without as much uh, social interaction as they need or medication management or, 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 yeah. or yeah, without quality medication management. Um, and so, and they end up doing without, and you know, they're, uh, that kind of increases speed of decline. It decreases quality of life. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it's not uncommon whenever you get people plugged in that you just see, um, a lot of times you see them kind of coming back to life. You see them get healthier. You see them start moving better. You see them start, you know, uh, almost like they're reversing the aging process for a short period of time um, just because they're getting quality nutrients back. They're getting social interaction back and they're getting good exercise because they have to come down for meals and, or, or maybe they're going to exercise classes and they're getting all those things. And it's, uh, it's, it's really incredible what, uh, what can happen whenever people move into senior living communities. The thing that we have to overcome is that stigma that's out there that it's bad or that it's institutional or, or whatever, really it's, it's luxury and it's community and it's uh, service and it's um, a group of people that are doing everything to, to build that community. I think about building a community around these old adults. So they do have access to all those things, um, whether that's transportation or partnerships with, uh, you know, physical therapy groups and home health groups um, so that they have, really have access to all the services and our job kind of becomes community builder and kind of quality control accountability on some of these um you know if like with a home health aid um they're gonna be screened and all that kind of stuff the question is like is it a good company right like for us we've gone through all the companies in the area and so one, uh, one of the things we really focus on you ask like differentiators for Thrive. Like one thing we really focus on is our partnerships, right? And so if we're if we're working with if we refer a home health company, we'll always have like one or two, well, one or two or three that we vetted. And we know these are the best in the area. And what are you looking for? Like what's your your basis? Um, a, a number of things. A lot of times it comes back to like we want a relationship with them, right? We want we want to know who the who the leadership is in that company. Uh, whoever their director is or their regional or whatever um, and have a relationship with them so that, so that we can influence the process, right? Because mm. at the end of the day, it's, if there's an aid that's coming in, that's rude or that the residents don't like, or shows up late or doesn't show up, we want to know we can pick up the phone and call and say like, Hey, you got to stop sending this person. We, we want to change. Have some accountability. And, and 10 times out of 10, whenever we have the right partnership, we can make those phone calls and that's how we build that community. And we act as that kind of community hub kind of service coordinator, uh, kind of quality control kind of an aggregator in a way aggregator for, for all these services that have to come together, caring for older people, uh, whether they're independent assisted or memory care aging, um, is a becomes complex. It just does. And there are, for most people, you know, yes, there's a few folks out there that they don't need, they don't need a lot. They really are just, you know, healthy or whatever. They're different. But for most people, it, it becomes a little complicated. You've got medication, you've got food, you've got nutrition, you've got mobility challenges, um, even for the most independent folks. Right. Yeah. And, uh, and, and even furthermore, even if you are on that side, if you're a super independent person thinking like, I don't need it yet, 
changes can happen very quickly. And so, and if you've ever moved in your life, you know, like you don't want to go through a drastic change and then try and make a move. And so, you know, I always feel like it's our responsibility to help people make that decision earlier. Um, so that whenever they do go through a change, um, that they're already home. They can come back home to a community where they can start plugging in resources and providers and, uh, and all the things they need. Michelle mentioned a lot of people are waiting too long to make the decision for senior living when, you know, you're already having all these ailments and you really can't take advantage of the community you know, at the fullest potential if you're going right into memory care, right? Yeah. So what age should someone start thinking about senior living? Or the savings part or <laughs> you know i think that brings us to uh we go down a rabbit hole of um i think there's biological age versus chronological age interesting so there's a ton of research right now around aging and what you know the the number piece of it is really not your chronological age is really not relevant amen to um, that. i'm not <laughs> i'm not 39 i'm 29 you're you know we can't actually test now for biological age and um so I think it's different for everyone. And I, you know, you certainly see the spectrum of people that, um, their biological age is very different, right? So they're 95, but you really wouldn't know it. It's like, are they, they could be 85, they'd be, they'd be 75. That's so true. I've met a few people who were, they told me you're 95 is like, I would, I thought you were 65. It yeah. blew my mind. It changed my mind about aging. Yeah. And, you know, and a lot of that has to do with lifespan and how long, how long people are living and that kind of stuff. Um, and you know, to go further down that rabbit hole, there's, you know, I, I talked about, you know, whenever people move into a senior living community, sometimes, you know, you see like, man, like they're got color back in their skin and they would get phone calls from the family. This is happy they've been in years and you can there. I mean, there's science, there's studies. You can, we can reverse biological age to some extent. Um, so is that to say we can, you know, you can go, I can be 25 again. No, but can I slow down my aging process? Can I, can I get a few years uh, back? Absolutely. And that comes from, you know, things like getting quality sleep, exercise, nutrition are at the top of the list. Um, the being on the right medications, getting off medications. Um, you know, so when you start thinking about that in the context of older adults and what we do, um, you know, there's some great research, Harvard university and some great podcasts um, that we could link here um, that I could shoot you. But um, yeah, check the description for that on, uh, on the, on the aging stuff. But, you know, so back to your question, like what age, you know, that, that's the question's not even relevant. I love it, that answer. The, <laughs> you know, there's, there's, it's all there's, in your people, head, man. Th there, there's people that, um, you know, for whatever reason they've had whatever illnesses and whatever, whatever things have advanced their aging process. And they should be looking a lot earlier than other people. They should be looking. I think there's plenty of people that should be looking at independent living, um, in their, uh, sixties, uh, maybe even late fifties. I think there's plenty of people that should be looking at assisted living uh, in their late 60s, early 70s. Um, so without getting too technical, I, you know, I think that's uh, th that's a long ways, I think, from where we're really at today. Um, you know, today, if we get someone in their mid-60s into an independent living community, that is very early. I think we've got one resident here that's 66. Mm -hmm. um, and but that's, that's very early. So typically it's, uh, you know, it's late 70s and uh, that people are starting to think about independent living. And yeah, I absolutely think that could be significantly earlier. People could be plugged in. They could have the community. Um, and I, I think they could stave off a lot of the changes that, that do come and avoid some of the kind of stair step uh, changes by, you know, being able to be uh, plugged into some of the, some of the services that are, that are available. 
And, and I think of the, um, all the amenities, right? Like that's what brings me to apartment complexes. What amenities do they have? And so I'm thinking here, when someone comes to a thrive independent living community, it's like, well, now you don't need a gym membership. You don't need uh, to go out to the movies because there's a cinema here. Um, what are some other amenities you think in the, in the long run, save people money. Cause if you're living alone at home, you go out to the movie theater, you have a gym membership, you have a social club, right? A lot of places have social clubs you pay for. This is a social club. I think the amenities are the amenities. I mean, every community has a cinema, every community has a restaurant, but um, our cinema is better <laughs> truly. Cause I've seen a lot of senior living. Cause so, some, some of them are just like literally like a 70 inch TV, right? And some like dinky chairs. These are movie style theater seats right. and a huge, like 150 inch screen. So sure. Sorry. I'm a movie buff. So <laughs> I'm so excited. The, uh, about that. <clears throat> but at the end of the day, the amenities are the amenities. It, it really is the back to where we started. It's the community, right? So it's like, who are the people? Who's the person that's choosing the movie? That's asking me what I like. Mm. That's pushing play. And that's, that's what it comes down to. Same with the, the dining experience, right? And it's, again, it all comes back to the community. And you and not everyone is, um, you know, a, social, a socialite that wants to be plugged into everything, but everyone wants some meaningful connection, right? And wants some relationships. And even if it's, I, I'm pretty introverted myself, but I love whenever I have uh, some sort of relationship with someone that I just feel like they know me and I can nod my head and wave and it's like, feels good. Um, and it, you put that in the context of older adults. Again, it's like knowing that there's someone sitting down at the front front desk that can help me if I get, you know, whatever my TV's messed up or my, I can't figure out how to get the Uber on my phone or whatever. Um, you know, knowing that there's other residents around that can help me that have, that are solving some of these same challenges themselves. Right. Um, is, is critical and having a lot of like-minded people doing that in in one place and, uh, having that community is, um, you know, that's really at the heart of what we do. What are you looking for when selecting a Thrive team member to hit on all these points to build a community like you're talking about? Yeah, um, good question. You know, I think we think about, um, we talk about the selection process. We, we really think about the, trying to balance, you know, the experience and the skill set with uh, the character and the values in the person. And, um, what kind of values are you looking for in someone? I'll stay away from like the cliche core value kind of list. Um, comparing compassionate. Yeah. Caring, compassionate, blah, 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 blah. Um, and yeah, everyone has to be those things. Um, in senior living, I think it's really unique that, um, I think a lot of organizations exist, um, for really to provide opportunities for their team members. So if you take, if, if I wanted to go work at, um, I don't know if I had a, an executive in the McDonald's organization, I, I could find purpose in that. It wouldn't be, my purpose wouldn't be in serving chicken nuggets. My purpose would be in the opportunities that I could provide for the team members. And I think, I think in any organization you can become very purpose driven by focusing on your team members. And there's, you know, this is widely accepted and understood in, in leadership is that to really put purpose into any business uh, you focus on the team members and that can bring a really great sense of purpose in business. And that like, for me, that's something that's non-negotiable is I have to have that sense of purpose in what I do. Um, just, just to stay engaged and, and feel motivated. Um, so you're looking for that purpose in the people you hire as well. So right? in, in senior living though, it's a little bit different because we're not serving chicken nuggets. 
We're not building widgets, right? We're serving older adults, right? And, you know, there, this is a, um, it was not politically correct to say it's a frail, the vulnerable population. As far as the spectrum goes, the, you know, older adults are more, are more vulnerable. They are more frail. And, uh, so what that, that mindset of, you know, really putting the team member first over our end user, um, I actually don't think it works in senior living and, and, um, you know, that's not like a gasp moment because what I think that means is that it flattens our hierarchy in our organization. It's not, you work for me, so I'm here to care for you and provide opportunity for you. It's, I don't care if you're a caregiver or a leader in our community, like we or a housekeeper, we work alongside you. I, I'm no, in, in fact, you're, if anything, you're closer to the work and you're above me in the hierarchy because what we do is care for older adults and that has to stay at the center of what we do. And, uh, and so again, the way that doesn't make our team members less significant, it makes them actually makes our executives less significant. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It actually flattens the hierarchy. And uh, that's my whole, um, you know, we've tried to really shift um, kind of some of our operating models and spend a lot more time in the communities um, and travel a lot more. And it's been really incredible for me to feel like um, I'm part, I'm truly part of that. And I have residents that know me now at, at a I lot of that. communities, right? That's and they, the best. Uh, team members that, that, that know me. And so what I'm looking for back to the original question, um, roundabout way of getting there is, you know, we're, we're looking for that team member that, that gets that right. And as much as I hate it, use the, the labor today, for example, right? Labor is terrible. I don't, I don't want our team members having to sacrifice home life and time and all that kind of stuff. Like I deeply want them to, um, to not work a ton of overtime, but when, when, when there's shifts to be worked and when there's work to be done, we don't have a team member. Like we, we want the team member that's gonna, that's going to make personal sacrifices. Not for me, not for, for the residents, hundred percent for the residents. And, uh, you know, so that's, and, and, and then also, for the person next to him, right? So it's people that understand I'm here for the resident and, and I'm part of this team. I can't do it by myself, right? So those are really the two key things. Like people that really understand like the heart of everything we do is the older adult like at the center. Um, people that really get that are willing to make, um, you know, personal sacrifices to fulfill that calling that we have um, and are willing to, to lock arms and do it with the people around them and not, um, you know, the, the idea of, uh, Stephen Covey's interdependence, right. Um, highly independent people in senior living kind of undermine the operation. Um, because it does have to be so connected. Yeah. One person cannot do it. These businesses are so dynamic and so complex. These communities are so dynamic and so complex. Um, all the services that are aggregated together, as we were talking about, it's, it's really complicated. We're providing, we never close. It's 24 hours a day, 365 days a week or 365 days a year. Christmas, we're working. Yeah. Thanksgiving, we're working. It's a service industry. You know, midnight, we're there. And so, uh, you know, it's, there's very, very few businesses that, that actually operate that way. Right. I mean, even, even your 24 hour Walmart is closing on, you know, Christmas yeah. Eve and not us. And so, you know, then we're back to that 
people that are willing to make those personal sacrifices and aren't going to call out and leave, leave the team stranded and leave the resident, you know, uh, without, without a service they need. So it makes me think that when you talk about going into communities, I'm, I'm interested, I'm going to tell you my story for first, but I want to want to hear yours <clears throat> is traveling to all the different thrive communities. I'm like, they're doing videos. I'm like, okay, I do these three videos. I got this many hours to do it. But then like, so I said, Hey, can you help me with my phone? Can you like, I can't tell you how many phones I've like fixed to make the text bigger or, Hey, can you help me move this couch or can you help me hang this TV? I'm like, yeah, sure. So, but what would you say yours is your number one thing that people ask you to do when you go into a uh, senior living community? Cause we're always doing different things, helping people, right? It's a service industry. Um, no matter your title. I think the number one thing people do is, um, you always tell the health of a community pretty quickly because people see, see us walking down the hallway and they quickly know that, you know, the management company is here. Um, and so the, uh, I'm not directly answering your question more often. Well, people ask me like change light bulbs or do stuff that tall people need to do because I'm tall. Um, tall people problems <laughs> all the time, dude, all the time. But most often people take the opportunity to, to, to tell me how great the people there are. Um, is, is my typical experience. So residents That's and family cool. members always grab me and they're like, I just want to tell you, like, you know, you're whatever, whatever person here is amazing. Tate, I've seen so many senior living commercials in my research. I'm like, this is so fake. It's like daisies and the sun is constantly shining. Right now it's an overcast day in Montville, New Jersey. It's, you <laughs> so know, it's good. like, it's like, am I watching a, you know, a Lunesta ad or is this a senior living commercial? What I do like about Thrive is how, We've been able to uh, not have any paid actors in our ads. <laughs> I literally just go into community and be like, hey, who's the person that would like let me interview them and follow them around for a day? Yeah. Which I really enjoyed. Yeah, it's good. Uh, what's your quick fire questions here? What's your favorite Thrive community? Putting you on oh, the man. spot, dude. That's tough. And you have to give me a reason why. You know, I mean... I think it's Browood. That's an easy reason. I mean, because you were the president. So many relationships there. Yeah, and know so many people there. But I mean, that community—you've been there. I mean, it's it's gorgeous. It's incredible. Yeah. I mean, from the you know the landscaping to you know you cross the high the road that it's on is called Scenic Highway for a reason. You know, you can cross the road and you just look over. I don't know if you've ever gone over like the bluff there. Oh yeah. You just see for you know hundred miles. People, it's I mean, it's, it's right crazy. on this mountain. People go hang gliding off of it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and you can you so the thrive at Browood. You can uh, be there for the day. And you can just literally walk across the street, and you have this this beautiful view. And that's where I always take my lunches. And a lot of uh, older yep. adults go out there and eat. I mean, I, I, I pull up to that community, and like my blood pressure goes down. You can feel it. Yeah, you know, it's just like oh man, just the nature. And that's the oxygen the, level, actually. <laughs> the altitude. So in senior living, there's a lot of people um, aging into needing assisted living, right, or independent living. Um, you, I'm seeing more senior communities pop up every day. Mm-hmm. Where do you see Thrive in five or 10 years? Is there anything new? I know we're on the forefront of independent living communities. This is one of the nicest communities I've ever been in throughout Mont- the Montville, the way it's laid out, the huge social court, taking a huge piece of real estate, saying, no, we're not going to fill that with rooms, so we're going to make this a, a, an area to build community. Yeah. Where do you see Thrive in five or 10 years? You know, I think the current model of senior living is actually – you know, is actually really good. I think a lot of people um, are out there talking about what's next, how to evolve it and all that kind of stuff. And there's certainly a place for that. Um, but I mean, I think that, you know, this community, the, this, this model of independent living, assisted living and memory care, and also the model of 
just assisted living and memory care. I think those are great models that serve a lot of people really well. And, um, you know, I, I think the, I think what people don't want, it's not as fun to talk about like, how do we just do what we're doing better? It's true. How you know, to build it, community it's, better. It's, it's, yeah. it's easy to move to the next thing and never have, never have, I think there's still so much on the table for, forget Thrive at Montville, forget even independent living, the ILAL memory care, right? Just go to like the, the uh, traditional senior living product, assisted living and memory care. Um, you know, maybe 100 units uh, split 70-30 between assisted living and memory care. Um, and there is still so much we can do from a building community aspect, um, from aggregator of services and kind of reducing friction of the aging experience and, and helping people reverse some of that biological age and, and really live healthy and happy and in their later years. Um, and there's so much work to be done. So more technology in senior living or less technology? No opinion. Again, I, I don't think the technology is, you get into a community like this, like we've got to have a great t- piece of technology for like the POS system because we've got to be able to run like the coffee shop and blah, 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 blah. Yeah, checking um, people, COVID and, you know, you know tracking and all that. We need like technology for medication management. That It's just a best practice, right? Um, the uh, Do we need smart TVs and all that kind of stuff? No. Yeah, I think one place that uh, we can really utilize technology right now um, and we'll have, there will be some robots in this community. Um, really? But I think, I think robots could, could really, you know, we see a post COVID. One thing that I see is the in-room dining experience. I kind of learned to like it at home, right? It's like just order in and just eat and throw Uber it away eats. and yeah. um, don't want to put on clothes and go out and whatever. So we see, I mean, it's undeniable the, you know, whereas at a typical meal, let's take that typical community, a hundred, hundred suites of. AL memory care, you know, at a typical, maybe we'd have, you know, five or six residents that didn't want to come out and there would be a reason for it. Right. It's like, yeah, they weren't feeling well or they're not very mobile right now because they're doing some rehab or whatever. And now like that number's doubled or tripled. And so a lot of people are just like, no, I just want to stay in my room. Um, now there's some implications to that. It's like, well, we want you to come out and engage. Like, are they getting, are they becoming isolated? Is there a social component that we need to nurture them out? But for a lot of people, it's no, I just, want to eat dinner in my rooms now. I come out for breakfast and lunch and most of the time I'm going to want to eat dinner in my room. Um, you know, from a uh, service standpoint, it's very, like we're not set up to have somebody running and delivering uh, meals to rooms. And so, uh, you know, if you dig in with hotels, like hotels hate room service. Nobody wants to do it. Nobody wants to deliver it. Like they're not, they're not really set up for it either. Yeah. So it takes 45 minutes. It's annoying. And <laughs> I love room service. And I'm like, I, this is what I came here for. Yeah. I'm seeing less Ex- and less of it. Exactly. But they either don't do it or they do it terribly. And so I think this is an opportunity where like there are robots now that it's like, we can plate it up, put it in the thing in the kitchen and like hit room three, two, three, and it'll go up the elevator and everything. So it's you're telling crazy. me we're going to have robots and, and when, when? Oh, we're going to have robots here. Yeah. Uh, like, what's the timetable for that? Yeah, you, uh, you got to talk to Peter. Uh, I mean, they're they're in process. So really? I, I think he's he's got a couple that are going to vacuum hallways, and I think he's got one that's going to do, like, the tray delivery. No, wait. What, we we got to name it something fun. They're going to have to have names for sure. Should it be JR? You can, can leave in JR. Steven Jr. 
we got to name one Wally. I feel like there's so many great, you know, robots from uh, the movies. But but I think but I think that's a piece of technology that can really that can really help people, right? Because now we're not taking a caregiver off the floor. We're not mm-hmm. taking the server out of the dining room. Yeah, and we can still provide, and and we can get it there timely. And uh, but speaking about what we do have adopted, it was first technology in senior living. Is I've seen these cats. They're uh, robotic cats and memory care, uh, like little yeah. animals. Yeah. Can, you, can you talk to that a little bit? You know, um, memory care is is so fascinating, and I think there's uh, still so much that uh, we've learned so much, but so, so much we still don't know. Um, you know, they, they say uh, clinical practice is usually 10 years ahead of research. And so, like, stuff that people are doing that's working um, is usually it'll be 10 years before there's actually quality research that's validating some of it. Um, and, you know, so in memory care, you can absolutely, it doesn't have to be a robotic cat. You know, there are, um, it, it's weird to talk about sometimes it honestly feels kind of sad, but it's like, you know, there's at a certain progression of dementia, having just a stuffed dog. Know plenty of residents who have a stuffed dog, and it's like to them that it's the same as having a pet. They yeah. really, you know, they're like petting it and loving it, and they'll set it down. Like, where do you go? And um, I've also seen babies too. Babies, yeah, babies yeah. are popular as well. And you know, they 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 really believe and think that they're that they have a baby in their arms that they're caring for. Um, That's actually really sweet because like, there's nothing sweeter than having the purpose of taking care of a child. When you see it, it is it is actually very it's very enriching for that resident, and that's what that's what's sweet about it so um you know the uh some of the thinking is like you know like it, it's like a regression so it's kind of kind of like a, a young child would have a baby doll they really love and care for but yeah but it's not quite the same because a young child knows that that's not a real baby um whereas a lot of times that that person living with dementia doesn't doesn't actually know the difference but I would say if it's that's my parent I just want them to be happy that's right and you so know you, what I mean you, that you, makes you, them you happy. see the level of engagement and enrichment and and it's a wonderful thing and so it doesn't you know that's not uh every resident it's it's a pretty small cross-section of um residents that that really works for but when that works for resident it's a beautiful thing so again like that comes back to you know there's not it's not like oh you check in you get your robotic cat and that's memory care it's like no no it's it's a much more human approach and it's like hey she keeps talking about pet and like maybe we could get her something and it's it really comes down to caregivers that are you know, spending time and learning and engaging. And sometimes even on the front side, um, our, you know, our, our community relations director learning some life history and maybe the family's plugged in enough to know that like she loved her cat. She still talks about us, has the pictures of it. And then we have light bulbs coming on. They're like, oh, okay, this could be something that's, that could be enriching for this resident. And we're going to talk about that more later. Hopefully I can get you for 15 minutes, 20 minutes to talk about memory care. Cause I'm be producing a memory care video yeah. uh, trio here sure. later on today. Tate, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Our second episode of It's Thrive O'Clock Somewhere. And look at that. It's Thrive O'Clock Somewhere. We'll do a logo here. <laughs> Just uh, so you know, Thrive uh, does independent living, assisted living, and memory care. If you have uh, want to check out our communities, it's www.thrivesl.com. Uh, you can check out that website for more information. Uh, links in the description to some of the studies you spoke of from Harvard. Yeah. Awesome. From the podcast. Until next time.